Hello, Curvies. I'm Mary Scott Hunter here today with my co-hosts, Rachel Breyers and Liz Bashirs. Welcome to episode 81. As always, we appreciate our supporters of this show. Those of you who choose to support us at patreon.com slash bellcurvepod and our show sponsor, Higher Echelon. Let's hear a quick word about our sponsor. Rachel? Bell Curve is brought to you by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is an organizational performance consulting firm that's known for robust, evidence-based, tailored solutions to your toughest challenges, be they problems with people, processes, or technology. So sometimes leaders and teams get stuck and don't see the root issues causing stagnation, unmet goals, or toxicity in their cultures. Higher Echelon comes in and does a rigorous diagnosis and delivers custom solutions. Reach out on LinkedIn or at higherechelon.com. Recently, I got together with a friend for coffee, like you do, and she'd reached out to me because this friend of mine is comp- contemplating her next move and just feeling abnormally tentative about it all because a couple of things she's tried haven't worked out, and her experience as she was relaying it to me made me reflect on my own experience where my confidence has been damaged or even all but destroyed. Curvies, we know you like to keep it real and unfortunately dinged, damaged, and sometimes destroyed confidence is all too real. So today we are going to let some of the air out of that big fat balloon by talking about confidence and specifically how to resurrect, resurrect it after it's been beaten up, downtrodden, maybe even murdered by someone or something or some combination of circumstances. Because Kirby's, let's face it, it happens to everyone. It may come in the form of something more personal, like a divorce or a situation, um, professional situation, like the loss of a job. And if it hasn't happened to you, hate to break it to you. Something's going to come along that sucks the confidence out of you sooner or later. (laughs) And to help us understand confidence killing and more importantly, confidence resurrecting, we have with us today, April Benatolo of Momentum. Welcome, April. Thank you so much for having me on the show. April, we want you to tell us a little bit about Momentum because it it has such an awesome mission. Uh, But first, Liz, will you please introduce our guest? Absolutely. So April is the CEO of Momentum, which she is going to talk to us about in just a minute. But she really joined Momentum in November 2017 with a vision to expand opportunities to advance women in leadership. Uh, Before she joined Momentum, she was the SVP of marketing at DAXCO, which is a a market leader in software for the health and wellness industry. We are so grateful and thankful to have her expertise on the show today. Um, I'm a big fan that she's a, a graduate of the University of Alabama and lives around the corner from me here in the Birmingham area as well. So we are glad to have you here, April. Thanks for joining us. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Liz, Rachel, and Mary Scott. I appreciate it. I think you are going to offer some real insight into this particular subject, April. Um, But before we get into it, dive right in. Tell us a little bit about Momentum. So Momentum has been for the past 20 years working to advance women in leadership positions. So we work with senior leaders and emerging leaders for um, a period of nine months and take them through a very specific curriculum 
that gets them prepared to go to that next level of leadership, whatever that might be uh, for them. So for our senior leaders, it means getting them to the C-suite. It means getting them into uh, political office. It might mean getting them um, to this, this, this next form of governance of some civic um, organization. And for our emerging leaders, that usually is getting them into um, a management position or into a, a place where they're leading a division, for example. So Momentum has done this for over 500 executive level leaders and now um, almost 300 emerging level leaders. And so most of those leaders have been in the Birmingham area because that's where our classes have been conducted. Although I am super excited to announce that we are launching our executive program for the first time in the Huntsville area. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, with all the growth that's going on in Huntsville, I think it's just, just the perfect time. And we're actually accepting applications into that executive senior level um, leader program right now at MomentumLeaders.org. So for the Kirby's out there who may be interested or know someone who would be a good fit, uh, we encourage you to go out there and look at that. But, you know, for all of the accomplishments that are women who are selected into this program, and it's a highly competitive uh, situation, for, for all of the accomplishments that they have, I mean, these are vice presidents and senior vice presidents of some of the Fortune 500 and 1,000 uh, companies here in Alabama, they still come to this program and share with one another that they experience these gaps in their confidence. You know, it, it really happens to the most senior of, of leaders amongst us. And so I'm, I'm really happy to be able to talk about this uh, topic with you all today and, and to share some of the things that I've heard over the years as our women go through momentum and some of the ways we help them address that. Yeah, I mean, our Kirby's like to keep it real. And this, unfortunately, is part of the reality of professional and personal life. So ladies, in the immortal words of Dory from Finding Nemo, you can't never let anything happen to him, then nothing would ever happen to him. <laughs> I love that quote because it, it's just so true that there's no success without failure. You have to get in the arena. You have to try. And sometimes these tries are really, really messy. And occasionally, and hopefully very occasionally, you really just get the knockout punch. Like you are out of the ring and flat on your back and gasping for breath. And you don't even know how you're going to get up that kind of a punch. Or as my dad would say, sometimes you just get your nose broken. And personally, I faced it after my second unsuccessful run for the Alabama State, State Senate. Without getting too much into the details, because I don't want to belabor it, I'll just say a few things about it. All political races are hard. And I was in the fortunate, but maybe not so fortunate position of leading in the polls going in. And in that situation, the political playbook calls for your opponent to go negative. And that is what happened. And they spent a lot of money presenting me in a very bad light, like not just about my political positions, but like dug out ugly pictures, you know, ones that made me look unattractive, you know, all that. I mean, I know I'm supposed to be a big girl about it, y'all. And like, just get over it the day after the race. But the truth is, it hurts. It hurt for a long time. And occasionally, now, especially in campaign season, when I'm reminded of it, dang, it still hurts. And then like rears up when I least expect it. My confidence was destroyed after that loss. 
And when I was having coffee with my friend a few weeks ago, I was just struck that while the facts of her situation were different from mine, the way she felt about her situation and her prospects was really pretty similar to how I felt. It was obvious to me that she was trying to just get off the floor and do all the things she was supposed to do. But talking with her, I was just so instantly back in that moment and recalled the feeling of being utterly sad, so sad and mourning for what I'd lost and just paralyzed. I almost hated to tell her that the negative emotions are going to creep in like for a long time, maybe years, a feeling of needing to be in control, a tendency to overcalculate, however you, um, you know, compensate in my case, overcalculation, you know, just thinking about everything and obsessing over it. And of course, in my darkest moments, you know, imposter syndrome, because you just can't get through it without that particular monster rearing its ugly head. So April, you sent us a list of some common ways women tend to unravel when they do unravel. And I want to unpack those today. Um, so I want to do it this way. You sent us this, this list and um, I want to get into that, but I want to get into it like as if this was a real person. So, you know, maybe this real person has experienced a, a divorce. Maybe they've experienced some professional crisis, but I want to name our, our, our fictional professional woman, Susan. And for all the Susans out there, I, I, this is a totally fictional person. I'm not thinking of anybody. I just want to name her Susan because I want to talk about her like she's real. Um, let's say our fictional Susan led a team for years at her company that she always assumed brought a lot of value to the company. But without explanation and very abruptly, Susan and some of her team were outsourced. Susan is jobless and devastated. And now for purposes of this discussion, poor Susan also suffers from every one of the things that's on your list, April. <laughs> Hopefully most Kirby's out there and most people won't suffer from everything on the list. But April, we need to understand Susan and this, how this situation um, with her particular normal foibles, the normal things that crop up, how this situation is affecting Susan. Yeah, you know, um, I would like to say that the six things I'm going to talk about don't happen all at once or don't happen um, to all people. But I really do think that almost every woman on the planet probably identifies with some of these at some point. So let's just, let's just jump into that. So let's imagine that Susan is also married and let's imagine that Susan also has a couple of kids, um, one in middle school and one um, finishing out elementary school. Okay. And so I say the first confidence killer or trap that a lot of women get into is what we call the superwoman trap. So this is the idea that I need to be everything to everyone, always on, always perfect, all of the time. Um, so this means like juggling a work schedule, juggling school, extracurricular activities, doctor's appointments for yourself, for your children, for your husband, for your parents, um, volunteer commitments, maybe trying to keep true to your faith, um, caring for those aging parents, remembering Christmas birthdays, you know, you just keep adding to the list, trying to be school mom sometimes, trying to compete with the stay-at-home moms, and you know, you just cannot be all things to all people all the time. 
So when we are completely overextended, as I'm sure Susan is, she's jumping to the conclusion, my whole team has just been outsourced. I also suck at being a mom. I stink at being a wife. My house is dirty. You know, I mean, and we go, we, we just keep going on and on. Um, and who has not felt that? I, I can remember all those feelings, <laughs> you know, uh, they crop up even today and yeah. like today, like today, mm-hmm. like, like, like an hour ago. Literally right this day. <laughs> yeah. So I think, and so the second one that we see probably the most often that, that really zaps our confidence is when we are not living and working in our areas of strength. So sometimes we are doing things in a job that we, we might actually be good at them, but it's not really a good, uh, a God-given talent. And it's not where we derive our most satisfaction or our joy. So in Susan's example, I'm just going to say that she is um, leading a team of project managers. And that whole team just got outsourced. And she's devastated because she presumes that she was doing a bad job and her team was doing a bad job. And let's say that Susan uh, was put into that position because she was the best project manager in the company for 10 or 12 years. So they put her over a team of project managers. However, leading a team is not Susan's strength. She she loves process. She loves procedure. She loves uh, working with the client. And in fact, dealing with the one-on-one issues of employees is completely draining to her. So while her team is able to get the job done, she's not necessarily operating in a stellar strength area for her. And um, the fact that her team got outsourced may just be the brass tacks of the economics of the company. Could also be that her team was slightly underperforming or had high turnover and those kinds of things that might result from someone just not being, you know, a stellar manager. Plus she is unfulfilled and she is not um, working in in an area that brings her joy. It's, it's really something that can touch your, your confidence quite deeply. April, when we're not living and working in our strengths, how do we know that? So we like to do an exercise with our participants called loved and loathed. And I did not come up with that. Um, it's actually something that Marcus Buckingham um, came up with in his Strengths Finder. But loved and loathed exercise, uh, you keep a, a just a little piece of paper by your desk. And at the end of every day or a couple of times a day, you write down the activities that you've done in that day that really you were like, I am passionate about this. I lost track of time while I was doing this thing. Um, this really made me feel important. This made me feel good. This made me feel valued. So those are the types of things that go down in your loved column. And then over in your loathed column, I loathed doing my expense report. I loathed having to have the one-on-one with this particular employee. I loathed this meeting with my peers. And you know, just figuring out where are those, those places where you, you are getting your joy and where are the things that are, are sucking the wind straight out of you. And, and then, you know, we can't all just, just 
you know, design a job where we're doing the things we love all the time. However, we can see where the areas of loathing are and we can work to minimize those as much as possible. For example, if you're not good at detail and procedure, if there is a coworker or someone on your team who really is, who can help you review your work for detail, then maybe you can swap by helping them to um, establish a, a big picture outline you know, for a presentation or a project if that person is instantly drawn to detail and is not so good at the big picture. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think Susan, probably, if, if you're not living and working in your strengths, you're probably not doing your best work. And my guess is Susan, if she's also superwoman, probably doesn't want to bit, admit that everything isn't her best work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I think about in kind of on this bullet point is there are so many things I'm formerly self-employed and now in a leadership position at a nonprofit. And um, when I was self-employed, there were so many things that I learned how to do because it was a necessity. It was something I could offer my clients and uh, you know, it, it made me more marketable to them. It made me more cost-effective for them. But now that I'm in a, a more leadership role, I don't have to do some of those things anymore. Just even though I know how to do it, I can delegate some of those things. Um, even when it's things that I liked, but wasn't necessarily my comparative advantage. Um, I, I almost equate it sometimes to every time I go through my closet and get rid of stuff, there are almost aspirational things in my closet of, oh, that's a beautiful pair of shoes. They're high heeled and pointed toed and I'm six feet tall and I don't wear heels that often and I'm uncomfortable when I do. So my vision of myself might include those high heels, but my, my express preferences, my reality does not include those high heels. And you know what? I'm probably better off um, for not trying to traipse around in them. <laughs> yeah. Um doing that kind of triage, if you're doing if so to apply that analogy to uh, to the workplace, going through also and figuring out, um, we encourage our women to figure out what their salary translates to on an approximate hourly basis. So then you know uh, sort of like where the company's resources are being spent. So I might enjoy um, design like choosing pictures for a presentation. But as the CEO of Momentum and what I'm being paid an hour to do, that's probably not the best use of my time. So it may also be a strength, but not be just the greatest use of, of my time and the company's resources. Yeah. April, you have these other awesome things, on, not awesome, but you have these other things about Susan on your mm -hmm. list, these things about our every woman. And I don't want to miss out on them because these are the things that are trapping Susan in, uh, yes. in, in the failure. So, oh, well, I'm glad you said failure because the next one on the list is fear of failure. And, oh, you know, you, you mentioned owning uh, when you when you work freelance or owning your own business um, that comes with a lot of responsibility, but it also comes with a lot of flexibility. And so in this uh, fictional scenario, I could see that maybe Susan has an entourage that encourages her to um, maybe do what she does best uh, process and procedure type project management consulting. Uh, go out on your own, Susan, you know, now that you you have that opportunity. And Susan is afraid 
because Susan has always had a paycheck and she's always worked for someone else and she's afraid to fail. But guess what? What happens if Susan fails? Uh, what, we go back to the Nemo example. If you, if, if you don't let him do anything, nothing will ever happen. If you never let him do anything, nothing will ever happen to him, good or bad, right? And so Susan could give this um, a chance. It could give her the opportunity to do some things that she has not been able to do in those other superwoman areas of her life. And, um, and, and if she doesn't like it or if it's not fitting all of the uh, criteria for a happy career for her, she can still go out and join a company again. So we oftentimes think that the next step is like the final step. And that's never the case. Oh my gosh. I was having this conversation the other day with a dear friend of mine and she was talking about a possible move. And she said, well, if I make this move, then a few years later, I'll be in my fifties. And then I think that's it. I got to do this forever. And I thought, wow, I don't really think so. (laughs) I'm really glad to hear. And she will know exactly who she is when she hears this show. Um, So I'm really glad to hear you say that. Yeah. And, and kind of related to that fear of failure is another trap that we see a lot of women falling into is taking on the failure or disappointments of others. So what if it's Susan's team that was really uh, not productive, or maybe they had been around a really long time and had built up higher salaries and the company just looked at it and said, you know, it's, it's just a cost analysis. We're paying these people too much money and we can outsource it much cheaper, right? Susan is absorbing what she feels like is, a, is the failure of, of her team. Or maybe like in another scenario, like sometimes we even take on the failures of our spouse or our children and we say, oh, you know, if I had been a better wife or if I had been a better mom, um, my kid would not be in the principal's office or my kid would not be crying when they lost the game or, you know, all of these kinds of things. And so we take on these disappointments and failures of other people as if they are our own. And I once had a, um, an advisor and kind of coach advise me to take those disappointments and failures of those you love, that you, you, you want to wear it as your own, take it and just envision that you wrap it up in a, in a bubble. And you take that bubble and you send it back to that person with as much love as you can wrap into the bubble and say, I know this is really disappointing for you and you will get through it. But it is theirs to own. It's not ours. I love that visual because it's still grace-filled and um, cognizant of that relationship. It's not a throw it back into their face kind of uh, visual. I love that. I love you. My mom always says, I love you. I support you on your journey. She does not say, I will carry you along every step of the way. Right? Oh, and then, okay, so we have, um, I would say two more things that I wanted to, to hit on um, in terms of these confidence killers. So, so, and this one is a huge one, and it's the negative self-talk that women do. And I'm, I know some men do it. This is just not a universal us and them. But 
women are far more prone to the negative self-talk um, than men are. So we go around criticizing ourselves nine ways till Sunday. A lot of times it's, it has to do with social and cultural norms of I am not, I'm not thin enough, I'm not tall enough, I am not pretty enough, I'm not wealthy enough, I'm not powerful enough, I'm not, uh, my house is not clean enough, my dog is not, <laughs> you know, whatever. We play these negative um, loops in our head over and over. We say to ourselves, oh, I really am dreading this meeting because every time I get in front of this group of people, I mess up. Hmm. Would we say that to our best friend? Would we say? We wouldn't say it to our best friend and we shouldn't say it to ourselves, but no. we, the lies we tell ourselves, how many times have we said it, Kirby's? The lies we tell ourselves are the worst ones of all. That's right. We once had a facilitator at Momentum who said to all of this, this group of women who, you know, masters and PhD degree is out the yin yang. And she said, do you know, you all have a master's degree that you didn't know you had. And they were like, what is it? She said, you all have an MSU. Mm -hmm. You all have this degree in making stuff up. She didn't say stuff, <laughs> but for the purpose of the podcast that's that's good that's a good one didn't know that direct, it was going that direction <laughs> yeah yeah you're making stuff up and you know we also as women are far more verbal than our male counterparts so what happens is we talk 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 even in our head talk 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 and we put words into the heads of our male counterparts that are not there oh after that meeting he's probably thinking this he's probably thinking that i did this no 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 He's not thinking anything. <laughs> or if you want to know what he's thinking, ask him. But don't keep making up what other people are thinking. And I, I was a huge, I was super guilty of this one. There was just chatter in my head all day long. This is what my kids are thinking. This is what my mom is thinking. This is what my dad is thinking. This is what my husband is thinking. This is what my sister is thinking. They're, they're not. And if, if I want to know what they're thinking, I just need to ask. Does this sound familiar to anybody else? <laughs> 100%. You know, and I think sometimes if you're high in emotional intelligence, you know, you, we've, we've just gotten so used to trusting our gut, trusting our instincts, you know, and maybe we, we really are good at reading things, but I think I'm very guilty of, yeah, I'm reading something. I just read it wrong. Like I took, you know, something's happening and I'm picking up on that very strongly, but my conclusions might be a thousand percent wrong. And, you know, my husband will, will convict me and tell me, you're so good at taking the worst interpretation that reflects the worst on yourself. You'll give everybody else the benefit of the doubt. You'll, you know, you'll, but you'll take whatever you're interpreting and turn it badly on yourself. Very guilty. Yeah. And, you know, even if going back to the Nemo example, Mary Scott, if you never let anything happen to him, nothing ever will. And so even if our perception is dead on, I did a television appearance not 
too, too terribly long ago that I was not proud of. I, I just, I just I didn't realize sort of the nature of the show and sort of the performance I gave was, was kind of not uh, really in line with, with sort of the temperament of the show. And, you know, rather than beat myself up about it, which is what the old April would have done, I said to myself, well, you know what, next time I need to watch the show. Duh. I mean, it was a, rook, a you know total rookie mistake and I know better um, and I can give every excuse in the world. But the point is, there's no there's no sense in flogging yourself for, for months afterwards when you can just simply learn from that. Um, I won't even call it a mistake. I guess it is a mistake, but but just learn, learn the lesson and, and move on. After, you know, there are real things in our Susan example. She had a real thing that happened. I mean, there was plenty of reason for Susan to be upset. You know, Rachel, in your example, there's, there's, you know, something's happened. You're not making it up. It's not all in your head. In your example, April, you know, of, of that moment that you, you, you felt disappointed in your performance on TV. You know, there's, these things are going to happen. But I think what we're trying to say is, I mean, this is a great list. And the last one on your list is obsession with appearance. And I can say that as I approach 50, that gets, I mean, like, I don't think I've ever thought about my appearance as much as I have here lately, you know, getting to my hairdresser on time, making sure I don't have that gray line right in the middle there, you know, in my part, you know, I, that gets, um, I, I would like to say that that gets easier ladies, but I don't know if it does. Um, I think that gets sometimes a little harder, but I think Susan, what Susan will do and the reason why Susan will have trouble is that not only will this thing happen that's hard enough to deal with, but she'll, you know, she'll obsess because she's superwoman and she can do everything and she, you know, probably hasn't been living in her strengths and that's the reason this thing happened in the first place and she has absorbed all the failures and she's got fear of failure and so she doesn't know what she's going to do next and she's paralyzed and she's talking to herself and you know that devil on her shoulder is giving her all the wrong messages and she doesn't have Rachel or Liz as great friends to turn it off and say will you knock it off and stop talking to your telling lies to yourself so ah uh, and like you know what in my darkest moment, when I took that knockout punch, these were all part of it. When you sent that list to us, April, these, like, like I did all those. I did every single last one of them, except maybe at the time I wasn't obsessed with appearances, but that's, that's a new thing that's come on lately. I do. We have a few minutes left though. And April, I don't want to cut you short. I want to make sure you said all you want to say about this list, but I want to also talk about how you dig yourself out of the hole. Yeah. Well, you know, so I think digging yourself out of the hole, if my experience in the years that I've spent with momentum and seeing all of these women leaders grapple with this um, serves any purpose, I think we have hit a, a good recipe in that when you start like ground zero of picking yourself back up is the emotional intelligence part of it is who am I really? Do I really know who I am? And if you can go back to, I am, I'm extroverted. I am uh, gregarious. I am a visionary. I am this, or maybe you're not, maybe, you know, maybe your emotional intelligence revolves around. I am a, a loyal, supportive, conscientious, steadfast, super good friend. 
and uh, an employee, whatever it is that you are, be be solid in what you are. Um, so understanding how you're wired, what you like, and where you play well, what your strengths are, is kind of that foundation. And if you don't have it, there are lots of tools out there um, to get that emotional intelligence and and to find out what your strengths are. And then the second thing is is developing a plan to get out of it. And if you can't develop the plan on your own, for sure, go to your trusted advisory panel. And I say that like your best friends, but also people that have walked this path ahead of you and seek counsel. Don't try to do these things on your own, but developing a plan because we all get into the state of despair, right? When something really bad um, shakes our confidence and having that plan documented and saying, okay, if I can't do anything else today, I can look at part of this plan and I can take action on one of these things. <laughs> Going back to Nemo, like doing something is better than not doing anything. Even if that one thing teaches you a little lesson that day, maybe it wasn't uh, you know, a step in the right direction, but it was a step in a direction that you then learn from. So taking taking those steps and then you know identifying who your really strong supporters are. We don't need to spend time with people that are giving us negative energy. We don't need to spend time especially not when we're down. Not spending time with the detractors, but spending time with the people who truly support you and who are um looking out for your best interests. And if you really do a hard look at the people around you, you know who they are. And so choosing intentionally to spend time with those people and asking them for help because they are your supporters and they're going to want to help you. And there is no, we should not feel shame or uh, discomfort, especially in asking a supporter, hey, this is something that I'm going through. This is what I'm thinking about doing about it. I really trust you. Is this something you think you could help me with? They almost universally will say, yes, absolutely. And then um, finally, I think um, when we have these moments where we're kind of on our knees and our confidence is, is shaken, taking the time then to reprioritize and say, you know, I might've been spending my life completely out of whack for the last six, seven, 10 years. And maybe it's not a, a um, big salary and a powerful position in the company that brings me satisfaction and happiness right now. Maybe it is working more within my strengths and on my own terms. And now that my kids are not in preschool anymore, but now they're in middle school, maybe, maybe I need to spend more time shaping them you know, in, in advance of their teen years. Um, maybe I, I need to rekindle something in, in my marriage or in my, um, with my significant other. Maybe I need to spend more time with my parents. Maybe I need to spend more time on my faith. But this is a good opportunity to, to reprioritize and look at where we are spending our buckets of time and to, to redesign that. So while a big door may have shut on Susan, on that job, she has the opportunity to look at three or four doors and choose which one she wants to open. Liz, Rachel, I've got a zillion things I could chime in here because 
reprioritization was a huge part of my journey after I was, um, after I took a knockout punch, but I, I want to leave a minute or two for y'all too. Um, anything after all that? Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting and you alluded to this April is that you don't really know when this is going to happen in your life. You could have been going along just fine, a very confident person. And then out of nowhere, something shakes you at a level that you just didn't see coming. That absolutely happened to me a few years ago. And I'd always been very confident, you know, worked in the news industry, you know, took some zings that just for whatever reason didn't bother me. You know, I don't know why it didn't bother me, but I transitioned into a role and just never felt this way, y'all. Shot through with such anxiety that I had physical symptoms of tingling all through your body. You just have so much adrenaline hitting you all the time. Couldn't sleep. Mind racing 24-7, deeply sad to my bones. And this is not anything about the role or the people. Nothing like that. It was an interior battle. And I love what you said about how you just have to get on a plan. And that's what worked for me was enlisting professional help, enlisting friends, enlisting mantras, personal affirmations. I mean, stuff that might've sounded like nice to have at one point became, I have to do this to survive. And I think what's neat though, is to just be so on the other side of that and to be able to now look back and say, okay, I know what that feels like. If I ever encounter it again, and I know I will, I know that it'll go away you can persist and outlast and it will go away just hanging in there day by day. Um, so I, I love everything you shared. I, I want to touch on a couple of things uh, that April said, and then a, a, a little bit about my experience of, you know, I mentioned I was self-employed before and I, I loved being self-employed. I was, um, I had my LLC and was working, doing communications consulting for five or six years. And and then had this really great opportunity, what I thought was a really great opportunity with a client and uh, devoted all of my time um, and expertise to this client. And that person essentially ended up being a crook for lack of a better term. And that deal fell through. And I was, I was left sitting there having um, given up a lot of my other clients in, in the, uh, with you know, stars in my eyes about this other opportunity. And And at about that same time, this is a little over three years ago, was when Mary Scott and Rachel and I started talking about um, pulling together this this podcast. And, you know, I had known both of them for a while. Mary Scott and I worked together for a little bit. She was one of my clients back in the day. Um, And Rachel and I had interacted with each other before. But while I was making that decision to go to a back to a full-time employment position, they were so important to me of, of providing guidance and experience and friendship. Uh, it's really the best of both worlds in that they are a couple of years ahead of me in, in their career and personal lives. Um, but then also just the truest and deepest friends too. And I just cannot speak to how invaluable that really, really is and how thankful I am for the two of them. And I'm getting teared up right now. I mean, it's oh, <laughs> but just how important, <laughs> oh, thank how you. important y'all are to me and, and how I, I don't want to skip over that personal side of things at all. And how important that is, how important mentorship and friendship really is when it comes to um, not just your career, but some of those prioritization conversations that need to happen as well. I, I had a couple of articles and I'll, I'll just, um, I'm going to post this one to the 
you know, to the show notes in case Kirby's are out there. And, and April has some resources as well that I want you to mention and, and, uh, and we'll post as well. But the one I want to say about getting yourself up and after the knockout punch, after your nose is broken, it is going to take some time to heal. And that is hard because I remember waking up the next morning after that devastating loss thinking, I want to be over this now. I want to be over this now. And I remember for days thinking, I want to be over this now. And to this day, years later, I think I want to be over this now. I mean, it's it's not painful now, but it just, that's, that's Mary Scott's input to you that it will get better. Uh, and it will certainly get better if you use these tools that we've mentioned and, and really avail yourself of um, these tools and your friendships and your mentor relationships. But Kirby's, if that's where you are right now, um, give yourself give yourself a little grace. If you, if you're, if you're mourning, whatever it is, if you're, if you're feeling paralyzed, if you're feeling like all I can do today is make a little bit of progress, that is okay because it is going to take time. April, I want to give it over to you because that's a, that's one of the benefits we can get from April Benitolo and your, <laughs> your, your wisdom from all these women that you've um, interacted with over the years. So a couple of things. Um, one is a book that we recommend often in our classes called The Confidence Code by Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman. So that's available on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Um, the Confidence Code just has a it's, it's got a pretty down to earth, you know, step by step. Check these things and make sure that that um, that you're it's kind of the science and the art of uh, building back your confidence so um, that's a, a really great resource. Also, um, I just wanted to leave a couple of ways that uh, women, no matter whether they do one of our leadership courses or not, can interact with momentum. One of the um, best resources we can offer is we have a mentor matching program. So if you go to MomentumLeaders.org uh, and you fill out a form to let us know what it is that you are working on, I'm bouncing back from this or I'm experiencing that. We have a mentor coordinator on site that will go into our extensive network and find someone with that skill set and match you with them, not for life, but for, a, you know, a kind of limited engagement to work with you on a specific thing. Uh, we also have a Momentum Matters um, podcast, and so we address a lot of these types of leadership issues that uh, women go through. So that's called Momentum Matters, and you can find that wherever you uh, look for your podcasts. But um, I also loved, Mary Scott, the list that you sent. So I, I know that your Kirby's will be happy to find that in the resources. And, you know, there's just there's nothing that can beat that that support network, as you mentioned, that um, will carry you through times like this and build your confidence back. You're so right. There is nothing like just real, real friends, real mentors that are really uh, there to help you. Uh, you're so right, April. Well, April, um, this was a tough subject, and I want to thank you for coming on and bringing the benefit of your experience to our Kirby communities. Kirby's, it's great to be with you today, as always. If you like our show, please leave us a review and support Bell Curve with a small periodic donation at patreon.com slash pod, and we will keep bringing you solid, enriching content so that you are just a little closer to always being your best you. See you next time.